So it could be said it's only over when it's over. But everything up to that point is a work in progress. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Michael David Clay. The concept of being perfect, to be complete, to be a finished work, is very difficult at times for us to really wrap our minds around. Uh, it seems like at once we want it all to be done, but at the same time realize it can't until it actually is done or finished. Psychology Today, April 2022, Imperfection. Invulnerability is a classic superpower, but in real life, pretending to have it tends to backfire. Instead, those who make mistakes and let others know it are better liked and often more successful. Marina Harris, Ph.D. Connection has always been a basic human need. To achieve it, many people assume they need to put their best self forward. Never make mistakes or blunders and always know the right thing to say. This pressure can lead to stress as people second-guess their presentation, their actions, and their words. Research, however, suggests that such effort may not be worth it. In classic studies on what came to be called the pratfall effect, social psychologist Elliot Aronson showed that people who demonstrated high levels of skill in trivia challenges but also committed minor blunders, say spilling coffee on themselves, coffee on themselves, were rated more likable by others than similarly skilled people who made no such stumbles. This research shows that it's not only okay to be fallible, it can actually benefit us. Perfection is not something that other people find endearing. Being vulnerable is. When we see that others have flaws, we feel that we understand them better and can connect with them. In your own life, this and other research suggests it's important not to get wrapped up in what you think will make you likable, because you're probably wrong about it. Sometimes, in fact, the things we dislike the most about ourselves are the most enduring to others. It works both ways. Sometimes what we like about ourselves isn't necessarily a quality others appreciate. Instead of acting in a way that you think increases your appeal, drop the armor. Be your genuine self and let people discover what they like most about you. Again, Marina Harris, Ph.D., Psychology Today, April 2022, Imperfection. Invulnerability is a classic superpower, but in real life, pretending to have it tends to backfire. Instead, those who make mistakes and let others know it are better liked and often more successful. Well, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad to hear all of that because it makes the podcast much easier to do. The idea, though, that any of us could actually be a finished work until we're finished on face value really is inarguable. You can't argue against it. But somewhere along the way, we all at times, if not most of the time, do want to present our best self. We want to come across as fairly well put together. We want to communicate well. We want to impress others in a positive sort of way so that we're likable, and for the sake of our social nature and social dimensions, again, that makes all the sense in the world. But at the same time, how can you be perfect until it's done? 
So perfection has two meanings. It can be in a moment state dependent, or as we might call it, state dependent. If we would take a picture and as used to be called, freeze it, hold it right there, and look at it, that would be state dependent. It would be nothing more, nothing less, but a snapshot, a picture of where we were in that particular moment. You could analyze that, you could look at that, you could judge that, you could assess that on whatever criteria you think would be important, um, how you looked, uh, maybe even so what the surroundings were. But most of life isn't that way. Most of life is contextual as much as it is state dependent and perfection in that sense is completion. It's not just a moment, it's in context, all of our moments put together. And quite truthfully, I don't know what the next moment holds. And as much as these podcasts may or may not appear in such a manner or way to suggest that I'm not scripted, or maybe it appears too obviously I'm not scripted, I don't know what I'm going to say or what's going to come out of my mouth the next moment. I can second-guess myself. I can try to be somewhat analytical in the moment I'm in. Uh, I can be hanging on a particular thought. But it's not until it's over that I really get to see everything as it's put together. And truthfully, both of those things are perfect. Now, am I perfect? No, because it would presume that in some sort of way that I could at once be a finished work and also accept that there's much more <laughs> ahead of me. Many, much more opportunity. Many more opportunities to make mistakes. And even then, you can look at perfection within that sort of light of, well, when we make mistakes, and then that would, or as that thus, would take me in a new direction, that too could be perfection, uh, completion, uh, putting it all together, uh, in a moment, any moment, it's kind of an idea of self-correction. In any moment, just <laughs> you don't stop, you're going to incorporate it. It's going to be somehow brought into the narrative of your life. It's going to be assimilated, accommodated. And then when you start to use terms like that, accommodation, assimilation, that really is our experiences in life. Uh, we learn from them, we grow from them, we move through them, things happen, things occur, things are here, things are gone, very fluid. So truthfully, all I can do is the best I can in a moment, any moment that I'm in, to be the best I'm able to be, but also hope that, or believe that, or have some element of confidence that, regardless of what comes out of that moment, it's all going to work out. <laughs> I just wish that I could maybe see the podcast in that light. And with that, then lies, I guess, my infallibility. <laughs> that not necessarily that I'm going to make mistakes, but that I can't always see the end from the beginning or know what the end is at the beginning except to say it's going to turn out well. <laughs> Why? Because even if it turns out bad, 
it has this element of self-correction. So the first thought for the podcast today is we have to recognize what lens we're going to look through ourselves at or look at ourselves through. And if we're going to look at it in a moment or state dependent, then at least let's be fair. (laughs) You know, they say that you should never go back and judge what you did in the past from the present because you're not the same person. Well, you are the same person, but a lot's happened along the way. And in context too, or as with regard to then that ongoing development, you may be a bit of a different person. Your core essential elements of who you are haven't changed, thank goodness. Personality doesn't change so rapidly or radically. Actually, in some ways, it's probably one of the most stabilizing influences that we have available to us, (laughs) to the good or the bad. But even you got to be careful. Because if you don't like what you see in the moment you're in or appreciate that what you are in the moment you're in is all that you could have become or be at that moment, then then you're going to have a hard time looking at yourself. If we took that picture of you and made it state dependent, that it's not at that moment going to change and you're going to look at that, you're going to say, well, is this a finished work or isn't this a finished work? Maybe that's also a good strategy. When you look at yourself in any given moment, make sure that at least you allow yourself to kind of do that self-appraisal or that self-assessment or that judgment from a context of, well, this is all you had. This is all that you were at the time. Which doesn't mean it has to be bad, although I think most of us would look back and say, well, I'm sure, cringeworthy, I'm sure glad I'm not that now. (laughs) But back then, you are. And now you may know better, or now maybe the context, maybe the lens has changed somewhat. Maybe it's you, maybe it's people around you. What was once in vogue or acceptable may may no longer be quite as acceptable or popular or something that otherwise we would determine or judge to be a good thing. Uh, Things change. People's perspectives change. Needs change. The world changes. It's constantly changing. So again, personality is sort of like state dependent. It's got that same concept In that, at any moment, you've just got to look at yourself for what you are. And yes, it may not be what you want to be. That's the wonderful thing about being able to think in future-oriented terms. Uh, Aspiring to something better. Having goals, aspirations. Having hope that tomorrow is going to be even better than today. But, But it's like, again, this podcast. You really don't know until you get there. So at the moment that you're looking at yourself... Make sure you're looking at yourself in the moment that you're in. Yeah, you may look at it even so within regard to the past. Again, that usually goes with stories, narrative. There's past, present, and future, and past kind of lets you know. But be careful about that. Because looking back on the past, it may be cringeworthy now. <laughs> you remember those pictures. You know, that those clothes that you were wearing, the shoes you were wearing, the style of hair that you had. Uh, when you decided to get that tattoo that you thought was going to be, or whatever the piercing was, that you thought was really, really 
the proper thing to do. Would was very stylish, for lack of a better way of describing it. Uh, but now it doesn't seem so much that way. Or the job you took, or the friends you had. You have to be careful. Because yes, you can look at yourself in the moment. Yes, there's always going to be a context to the present moment you're in. Yes, the past helps you get some sense for the direction you're taking. Uh, at least you've taken. And maybe also then taking as it would be moved into not only past reference to present, but present then to future, what you want your future to be. And you do. You have a lot to say about your life and your life story. It's that way. It should be that way. It is that way if you should choose to accept it. Others may try to define you for you, but we know that's not good. They don't know you as well as you know you, and certainly they don't understand all these things that we're talking about specific to your life. Uh, they only see you in that particular moment you're in, and that's also cautionary because someone else is going to come along and judge you and have no idea what you were. And then they're going to judge you by what they see now or what they think is correct now and it may not match up or reconcile very well, be very popular or very likable in terms of what you were in your past. And they may say, well, how can you be such a hypocrite? Well, no, you weren't a hypocrite. You were just state dependent in the moment you were in. You were trying to be the best you could be. There's genetics that go along with that. Uh, there's social dimensions, culturalization. Uh, it's all empirical. What you've experienced. There's the ups and the downs in your life, the good and the bad in your life. There's the resource or lack there of resource at any critical moment. There's the friends or lack of friends. There's the health or the sickness, all of those things factor in. But you are the best judge of you. <laughs> but be careful. When you start to apply some sort of standard, even if it's self-imposed, even if it comes from you in, a, once again, those aspirational sort of terms of what you want to be or what you want to look like, be really careful because your perspective, who you are, be generous. <laughs> it is at once who you are in the moment, phenomenological, just you, <laughs> your perspective, subjective, I suppose, I could say. But we have to see it in broadest of pictures. And there is hopefully a future. It's not going to end in the moment you're in. Now, if you're at the end, as I started the podcast today, and say, well, whew, I'm glad it's over with, it's finished. And now you can kind of look back and the narrative has sort of been constructed. You've done a lot of what I've just tried to capture in the few moments we've had thus far in today's podcast. You've done all that assessment. You've kind of took all the parts of your life and you've tried to hold on to the personality, the identity, that notion of narrative, your story. It's stabilizing. It gives you reason, purpose, and meaning in your life. Maybe everything else is volatile, changing. Maybe people do come and people do go. And you take right turns, left turns, ups, downs, all that again. But when you get to the end of it, that's the only time you're really going to be able to say it's over. And it's finished. And retrospectively, <laughs> I suppose I should say this, it is said, it probably is true. Uh, rear view, <laughs> looking back... 
it's easier to be right. Uh, Retrospection gives you permission then to say, well, it's finished and this is what it is, hindsight. It is what it is and now I know. But even in your interpretations of your past, that can change based on your present. So lest this sound all confusing, it would be unless you would then appreciate you have to sort of frame this the right way. And what I'm also saying is, unless you get some sort of an idea of context, something to calibrate yourself according to and with, in some sort of way to make sure you always have some idea of where you are that's at least connected in some dimension or means to some stable, stabilizing kind of consistency outside yourself, it could get very overwhelming, very confusing. Generally, that's where significant others do come into the picture. Now, who they are and how you've come to know them and how well they're doing this with themselves is something also that maybe needs to be taken into consideration, and we'll do that in just a moment. But in the moment we're in right now, I want to remind you, our my podcast listeners, that you're listening to Word with Michael David Clay. So, <laughs> you have to balance all that out. You have to be subjective, but you also have to try to find some measure of objectivity. And that's sort of where I was when we took that moment to remind you of who you're listening to, the podcast. But now returning to that thought, others do represent at least some aspect of objectivity. Uh, They're subjective, that's what I was trying to say, so it's a little confusing for them to necessarily see the big picture any better than you can. But they can contribute They offer a view of yourself that you can't get completely in yourself. Uh, It's impossible. Uh, There's too much that gets in the way of that. Some of that's psychological. Some of that's just limited to our apparatus. (laughs) We can only see, hear, touch, taste, feel, all those things in an immediate sort of way. But if you do have someone that's been with you, that's why we call them significant, or someone who in maybe the moment you're in is placed in a position to have a perspective or a view of you that is as much it could possibly be objective, that's very, very valuable. Maybe it's some of that touchstone. I suppose others could be part of that. Uh, Maybe it's A family member, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a best friend. (laughs) It could even be your therapist, your psychological counselor. Many people use that experience, psychological counseling, in some sort of a uh, health-oriented way. It's preventative. It's primary care in its purest sense. (laughs) I'll see my therapist. I'll see the psychological counselor periodically just... To kind of maintain 
some healthy perspective of myself. And depending on how objective that person could be, or again, once more, any of those others that I mentioned a moment ago that kind of fit that bill of a significant other, that can be very, very useful. And most of the time, that is one of the greatest benefits that I can offer someone. For most of the individuals that come to see me have got caught up in this notion of what they should be, that standard they're judging themselves by, either in some past context, some sense of failure from the past, historical, that's getting into the present, some sort of sense of what they should be that's been imposed, maybe from themselves, but also maybe it could come out of that sense of failure. A lot of times people are sort of triggered by those failures in their past and they don't want to be there again. They feel embarrassed. Someone's embarrassed them, shamed them. Maybe that was too much a part of, of their socialization growing up. People use that in some sort of either way to get them to do something or with that then as they might have their own idea of what was right for an individual. They've imposed that. But shame and guilt usually comes when you don't feel like you're measuring up. And if objectivity is at least an important aspect of, part of, really rightly judging yourself, either in the moment you're in or contextually throughout your whole life, and if you're going to be the one that's probably most likely to be there with yourself, nobody else may actually make it to the end with you, uh, people do tend to, again, move on. They fall off. They go separate ways. Some, unfortunately, no longer are in your life for various reasons. But in the end... <laughs> Really, that's another truism I think I can go to is really it's you. You're all that you're left with. You're the one that you wake up with in the morning every day. Go to bed with at night every moment, every minute of every hour of every day. You're it. But you can invite these other individuals to share your life. And as much they do that then they too can give you that sense of objectivity. Even your psychological counselor can't be, possibly isn't going to, most likely won't be a part of your life every moment of your life or certainly extend that over the years. <laughs> they come and they go. We come and we go. But you, you know you. But then that kind of wraps me back around to, or at least gives us a chance to wrap back around to, really the point of the podcast. It is possible for you certainly to see yourself in as objective light as possible, as potentially available. It is also possible for you to identify the resources, significant others, that in it, at any moment in your life can give you that feedback. It is you that hopefully will, in the truest sense of empiricism, be able to reason, take a, a good look at your life, analyze your life, know what is best for you, learn. <laughs> Maybe a conscience does some of that. I think conscience is as much innate, but also constructed 
we know at some deep level, certainly when it comes to the basic things of life, what we need, what works best for us, but maybe we build on that. Maybe we get a good sense of what our skills are, our aptitudes are, and what then our potentials would represent in terms of what we get in life or what we should even want in life or desire in life. And maybe we again make modifications. Maybe that becomes part of the narrative. Some people are better at some things and some people are better at others. Go toward the things you're good at. doesn't mean you can't experiment with the others, but if the aptitude isn't there, then maybe it's just recreational. (laughs) Don't make a career out of it. But hopefully... When it comes to people and yourself, maybe it is this attitude of seeing yourself for who you are and not being so quick to judge yourself as imperfect or by such a high standard of either what somebody has told you you should be or even what you yourself agree you want to be. But you always have to be able to appreciate you're not finished. It's not done. It's not over until it's over. And when we stop and we do that, that's what we do in psychological counseling. It's kind of like that picture. You come in, you present yourself to me. Maybe it's the first time we met. Certainly, if I'm along for the ride over a period of time, the journey, uh, you won't have to always go through something like this, but on the front end of it, because I'll get to know you, I'll become familiar with you enough to be able to uh, say, well, you know, I remember when we talked about this back then, and this is now, and again, that's all good. (laughs) That's all part of what I offer, can offer, that I think is maybe one of the most valuable aspects of counseling experience. But when we do that and we take a look and you meet me for the first time and I meet you for the first time, you give me a picture. And in the picture, I try to reflect back to you what I see. And it does. It gives you that ability to then begin to sort of say, well, is that what I want to be? It's objectivity in the sense that it gives me a chance to take the subjective, which is, again, my story, my narrative, my interpretation, my meaning for life. And that's not cursed. That's not bad. That's good. You just need to balance it. And with that, in that objectivity, maybe that's the closest thing we can get to, to believe it or not, this thing we call unconditional love. In psychological terms, we call that unconditional positive regard. Assume positive intent. We take the values, judgments, off of it, at least for a moment, so that we can really see what we've got. And then we bring it back into alignment. That's objective. That's pure science. And then we bring it back into alignment with what you want, (laughs) what you want to be. Now, again, that's not my call, but if I do my job properly, I listen well. I pay attention. (laughs) I am part of you, at least the shared experience, the psychological dimensions of who you are, and I get into your head and maybe into your heart a bit because of that need for motive and understanding what your passions are about, but not to the extent that 
I want to do anything but encourage, support what is not only you think is best for you, but again, just try to point out the choices. Well, you say you want this. How's that going? (laughs) Are you getting that? You want people to like you, but you don't like yourself. How's that going? Is that working? Even if they like you, even if they have unconditional positive regard for you or unconditional love, they're not judging you in the way that you're judging yourself. They're being as objective as they can be. And maybe even more so, they want, they desire, they would want to like you. Their intention is to see you in positive terms. That's just a real obvious sort of issue that comes up. That's why I go to it. But it fits this podcast well. It fits this article in Psychology Today well. Because if we can't look at ourselves and see the things that are either a work in progress or not finished yet, or we see ourselves through such a critical lens, I want to be this way now. I want all these things to be put together. And possibly that's just impossible. There's no way that can happen. There's way too much going on. Nothing is perfect. And nothing is is anything that's perfect. Let me say it this way. Anything that is perfect is probably dead. I mean, it's a done work. Otherwise, it's constantly moving. Even satisfaction, contentment, satiation, really basic physiological sort of concepts. I have a need, I need to do something to satisfy the need. That doesn't last before a moment. The moment that you're filled, the moment that you're content, the moment that you're satisfied, you become dissatisfied. That's just the way that the material the aspects of life operate. But you have every right to take an appraisal of yourself periodically and, and introduce or bring that to someone else for similar sort of appraisal. But understand, until it's over, it's not over. And really then, the concept of perfection as being more an idea of completion, just wait. Don't pass judgment on yourself in such a critical way that you can't make mistakes. Actually, mistakes are the way that we learn. That's the way that we grow. That's the way we develop. We call them, even that idea of calling them mistakes, sort of suggests that we're already seeing it through such a critical lens that we can't see it for, well, it happened, what do I do with it? That's really objective. That takes all the value. It's just looking at the facts. Now, do I want you to be without any sort of dimension of right or wrong? No, you're entitled to that again. Do I want it to be that you can't have passions for certain causes and purposes? No, I just want you to realize that the further you get into that, the subjective, without some balance of objectivity, you run the risk of sickness. You run the risk of disorder. And even personality. What comes to define you are preferences, habits. You don't want to be just one-dimensional. 
So as you expand, as you try to grow, as you surround yourself with people who may have different personalities than you, different perspectives than you, we appreciate that. That's celebratory. Because it gives us a chance to see life in different ways. Otherwise, we get so locked in. And with that, then it's so confined or restrictive that life itself becomes measured in minimal terms. These are all that really needs, these are the ideas, the concepts, the standards that always or that I need to have happen on a consistent basis that always defines me. That's what I'm trying to get out. And they may be wrong. Things change. Again, the world's pretty dynamic and pretty fluid. And when you come see me, that's my job, is to point such things out. It's not to persuade you to be this or that or to tell you what you should be or shouldn't be. It's to help you see yourself for who you really are. And then we look at that and I ask you, is that what you want to be? Is that where you want to go? And you constantly need at least some feedback, some diversity, some different perception or appraisal, because you can't see yourself completely. Just basic denial, which is a defense mechanism we all have. When it's overwhelming, when we don't know what to do with it, we check out. That's a glass. It's a glass seeing yourself through a lens that's occluded, that isn't always clear. Maybe in the truest sense, denial is it's blackened. You can't see through it. You need the outside input of others. Now your significant others are important. They're the ones that go most of the journey with you. Maybe you do have a commitment to someone such as I might be in your life. Fill that role. That's okay too. Maybe with family, there's going to be more of a chance they're going to be with you over the duration. So they get to know you almost better than you know yourself. And if they can be pretty objective, maybe it is that they still can't see themselves that way. But, you know, sometimes people can see others (laughs) when they can't see it in themselves. That helps. But you have to see it in proper regard to this idea of perfection. Your standards need to include both the subjective as well as objective aspects of reality. See the facts as you would want to interpret them, as you would see it fitting into your life story, what you want to accomplish, what you want to stand for, what your passions are, what your desires are, what your interests are, based on your constitution, aptitude included. But you have to balance that with some objectivity (laughs) or you're going to get so into it you're not going to be connected with the real world and in that sense nothing is going to work and it's going to drive you crazy because you're going to feel like that failure again we spoke of that earlier in the podcast sometimes that's imposed most often it starts with someone making you feel guilty or ashamed that you didn't do it quite according to what they thought was the right way. Usually they're the same type of person, perfectionistic. They're measuring themselves with some distortion of not only the subjectivity or the subjective, but they're not really able. They've really maybe not gotten to that point where they realize this thing we're talking about. That you need to package all of that against this idea of 
unconditional positive regard. You're a work in progress. You can't really judge yourself by any standard, subjective or objective, until it's over. But even if you should stop along the way just to calibrate, reconcile, kind of get your bearings again, kind of find out where you are in regards to what you say you want to be, it's all good stuff, all stuff appropriate for certainly family and friends, but also psychological counseling. But make sure that that individual also recognizes we have to see ourselves within that, I guess, broadest of contexts of forgiveness. That we're still working. It's still not done. We don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. But if you condemn yourself so much and live in failure so much that you start to retreat, retract, shut yourself off, stop learning, stop growing because all you can do is condemn yourself, shame yourself, that's not good. It'll kill you. In many, many, many ways, it'll be the end of you. And we don't want that, right? We want you to be the best you can be. Just accept that all that you can be in that sense of being the best you can be is in the moment you're in. Hopefully, this idea of imperfection is acceptable to you. (laughs) And if you see it in other people, you should embrace it and like it. So Marina Harris, PhD, imperfection, invulnerability is a classic superpower. Yes. But in real life, pretending to have it tends to backfire if you're not seeing it within that context of unconditional positive regard, unconditional love for yourself, as well as even others, it will create more problems. It's the beginning of a journey through life, whatever remains of your future, that will always end up leaving you not only feeling some element of discontent, but feeling that you're not able to ever Be satisfied. And maybe that is possibly the greatest thing we could take from this article, this podcast even. You have to find some way to be okay with yourself. You have to have unconditional positive regard for yourself. Or with everything else being the way it is, it's going to be a a very difficult, arduous life. And I think in the end... It wears you out, and probably prematurely. Instead, those who make mistakes and let others know it are better liked and often more successful. Hopefully, positively, uh, in some unconditional positive regard sort of way, I think we had a pretty good conversation on the podcast today, uh, now that it's over and done. Uh, I'll leave that up to you, but if you find it useful and beneficial, of course, of course, of course, I would want you to like me or like what I say to the extent that it could be helpful and encourage you to come back. And before we finish today, I want to once again remind you, coming back to what? Word with Michael David Clay. And as I'm inclined to say at the end of the podcast... I want to wish you the best in terms of not only health, but good mental health.